Welcome to the Destiny Church 217 podcast, where we share the sermon of the week from Destiny Church. After the message, check out the show notes for links and more information on how to get connected with Destiny. Let's get into the message. We are in uh, Romans, so if you have your Bible, turn to Romans. And we are now, after several months, all the way to Romans chapter 5. Praise the Lord. Right? You've, you've figured out now we're going to be in this until Jesus comes back, right? So just take a deep breath. It's all good. All right. Our theme verse for Unashamed, Romans 1, uh, 16 and 17. Say it with me. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. Why? Because it is the first, then, for in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. A righteousness that has, that by faith from first to last, just as it is written. All right, so remember, this is written by Paul. He's on his third missionary journey. He's in the town of Corinth. So he's a ways from Rome at this time. He's writing to the church at Rome, telling them, hey, guys, I'm on my way. This is my third missionary. I'm going to be there soon. It's about 57 um, A.D., and uh, it was really weird what happened because you know that Nero was ruling Rome. Nero fiddled while Rome burned. Have you heard that phrase? Um, there was just a bad situation in Rome. And most historians will tell you he lit the fire himself, basically trying to divert attention from the rising taxes and the polarization in the community. It was kind of a false flag back in the day. And uh, if you don't know what that is, Google it. And um, so the scapegoat that he used was the Christians. And so Paul was on his way to Rome in this atmosphere. And that's when Paul got his head cut off and Peter was crucified upside down by Nero. So this is the, the atmosphere that all this is happening in. He's written this letter and uh, we've gone through the first four chapters. Now we're in chapter five. Verse, we're going to... Uh, just kind of look at the first couple verses here quickly. Therefore, in other words, because of all things that I've said already, don't make me preach the last 12 sermons, but therefore, since we have been justified, meaning innocent and righteous, we've been justified how? By faith, because everything we get from God comes by what? Right. How did you get saved? By faith. How did you get healed? By grace through faith. How did you get baptized in the Holy Spirit? By grace through faith. Boom, 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 boom. Nothing new. So we've been justified, innocent and righteous, through faith. And because of that, we have shalom. We have peace. The internal persuasion of our external destination. We know where we're going. I'm persuaded that neither death nor life or things present or past. And all can separate me from the love of God. This is Paul. So we have peace with who? With theos, with God. That's the Greek word. How? Through our Lord, meaning our master, the boss, the man in charge, Jesus Christ, Yeshua HaMashiach. Verse two, through whom we have gained access. Because he's a way maker. He's the way. Now, can I just, I just got to stop here for a second and remind you that when Jesus said, I am the way, by default, he was saying every other way is wrong. 
There is an exclusivity to Christianity that must not be diluted. And that's not a popular stance right now for those who particularly lean towards Chrislam. You don't know this phrase? You better learn this phrase, Christians, because there is a foot in Christendom. Say, ah, you know, God is God, God of it, God of of uh, Muhammad is the god of uh, is the god of Christianity is the god of uh, Israel, and so let's just let's just kind of mix them all together in a Tower of Babel kind of way, and let's just stick them all together. They're all good. I mean, come on, we got to be spiritual, isn't that the thing? Right? We're spiritual. Oh, yeah, we're spiritual. No, let me tell you. Right now, right now, this day, fly to the UAE, the United uh, Arab Emirates, and in, um, uh, oh gosh, what's the big town there? Um, Dubai, thank you. In Dubai, they're building a church, a mosque, and a Jewish synagogue, all on the same plaza, dedicated to, the, to Father Abraham's faith. Just mix them all together. Just mix them all. There's nobody. Oh, that's way over there. That's an Arab. No, it's in New York City, too. And it's coming this way. I mean, you've already seen ecumenical type things where it's all good. We're all together. We're all religious. So let's all be in this prayer meeting together and we can all pray to the same. No, we're not praying to the same God because there's only one way to get to that God. And that's through Jesus. So so Muhammad is a false God. He is not the way. He is of the spirit of Antichrist. This is the type of talk that got Paul crucified, beheaded, Peter crucified. Well, this idea that, and listen, I don't, I don't have any plans to unpack all this much, but you've got to know this. Jesus said, I am the way. There's no other way. Every other way is a way to hell. Every other way is a way to hell. So if you're kind of in this, oh, we're spiritual kind of thing, and, and even let's just throw in the crystals, and let's throw in, let's throw in the all-seeing eye, and let's, oh, 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 it's out there, ladies and gentlemen. Please do not be deceived. You know what, what, is Amer what has America been likened to in these last days but a new Rome? And the debauchery that was Rome has now come upon us. No nation that lives forever, ladies and gentlemen. If you think America will be America when you die next year, five years, 10 years, Lord willing, 25, 30 years from you, how much has the world deteriorated? How much has this nation deteriorated just in the last 25 years of your memory, if you can think back that far? It's a slippery slope that if less the Lord intervenes with a great revival, we will continue to be in the debauchery of ancient Rome. Now, why do I even bring that up? It's because when you came to Rome with a God, they said, sure, pile him on. Pile him on. We're pantheistic here. Well, pan, uh, the, 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 this, this idea that it's all good, that, that God is everywhere, and oh, yeah, just another God. And we'll stick Jesus right there next to Apollo. Right next to, right next to Zeus. Jesus, Zeus, and Apollo. No big deal. This is what we have in Chrislam. It just has a new name. There is nothing new under the sun. One of my great professors in school who's been in this pulpit before, Dr. David Nichols, you come up with some newfangled way to twist the gospel, he goes, oh no, that was back in the third century. They already tried that. That was back in the sixth century. They've already tried that. 
And what we have now afoot in Christendom of, oh, we're just all spirit, let's all get along. I remember, oh, Joey, you were there. The day the, the, the Muslims showed up at iWorship Center to pray. Joey said, there's Muslims in the Sunday school room down there. I said, pardon me? He goes, yeah, they're praying. I said, let's go have a talk with them. And they tried to tell me, oh, it's all good. We're all praying the same. I said, no, we're not. Jesus is the way. He's not a prophet. He is the son of God. He is the only way. And I'm, I'm afraid that you're not welcome to pray in this place to your false God. But see, that's not, that's not cool today. That's very offensive. That's very, how dare you? It's very, how bigoted of you to think that your God is the only God, said Elijah to the prophets of Baal. Go ahead, we'll see which God answers by fire. But if we have a bunch of lukewarm Christians, where's the fire? Okay, let's get back to Romans chapter two, because we got to, you see why this takes so long? Romans 5, uh, verse 2, I think is where we left off. Oh, yeah, he is the Lord and master, right? Jesus Christ. Verse 2, through whom, him, we, we have gained access by how? Right? Into his, that free gift of justification in which we now stand. And, oh, boy, we rejoice. I mean, that's some good stuff right there, man justified right there in the middle of it all, the grace and the love of Jesus. Woo! So we rejoice, boast in the hope of the confidence of the glory of Theos. That's a lot of goodness right there. So Paul's like, he's, he's tooling down, that life is a highway. Man, he's cruising and he's going on the Audubon. He's like 95 miles an hour. He's telling you about the grace and the mercy of God. And then all of a sudden he pulls the emergency brake. He's just so you know. Hold up right there, boys. Verse three. Not only so, but we also rejoice in, uh, no, give me a Sharpie. Somebody give me a Sharpie. That cannot, the, 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 new, the new gospel does not have room for that. Because it's supposed to be, you know, everything's daisies and poppies and roses and, and all that. Paul said, no, 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 no. Hey, I'm going to Rome. I know where I'm going and I'm not afraid. I want to tell you his mercy, his grace, all that stuff is awesome. It's great. But please remember this. You need to learn to rejoice in, yeah, the Greek word means afflictions. It means anguish. It means burdens, persecution, trouble, and tribulation. In other words, that's some messy stuff right there that's coming your way. My wife and I, we do devotions every morning together, every evening together, and we read this one devotional. And I got to tell you, we, we just got to get our theology right here, ladies and gentlemen, because sometimes when I'm reading this stuff, I'm like, I have to correct the, the theology in this devotional as I'm reading it, because they're talking about, oh, we bless God because of our problems. And in, 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 no, 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 no. It's not we bless God because of our suffering. We rejoice. We bless God. We rejoice in 
You see this because, Jazz, you got to like put up a red flag. Wait a second. That is as useless as a screen door on a submarine. Oh, we thank God because of our difficulties, because they make us stronger, blah, 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 blah. That would be rubbish. That would be garbage. Or might I quote, might I quote Paul? Uh, that's dung. <laughs> the text says what? In our sufferings, not because of them. So, let me share with you 1 Peter 4.12. This would be a good verse to write down in the column right there next to Romans chapter 5, verse 3. Listen to what Peter says, 1 Peter 4.12. Dear friends, do not, do we have this? Oh, yes, look at this. Look at this. Hey, friends, what up? Don't be surprised. Don't be, this is the man who is gonna be crucified upside down right there by Nero too. So he says, dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal, the painful trial you are suffering as though someone, something strange were happening to you. So in other words, when the fiery trial, when the suffering come, why does that surprise you? Because somebody told me if I give my life to Jesus, I will never have any problems. Somebody told me if I give my life to Jesus, I wouldn't have any suffering in my life. There would never be any problems. Why does my voice sound like that? <laughs> because, because those people are like munchkins. They're like little munchkins in, in, in Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Just little Oompa Loompas that Christians that have no clue of what they're talking about because they just poly parrot some irrational devotional that they bought. They have, no, they have no basis for understanding Paul's life, Peter's life, these people that had to go through stuff and still came out the backside Try by fire. Can I get an amen? amen. So we're all going to go through suffering. Wow, I'm so glad I came today, Pastor. <laughs> yes, you know why? Because if I tell you it's going to be hell week at college, you are prepared. Hey, guys, they call this hell week at, in, in the military or whatever, right? Guess what? You're going to have those days as a Christian. And me telling you is forewarning you so you can be prepared. Well, I'm not a prepper. Well, you better be a prepper. You know why? Because Noah was the best prepper ever, and he was in the Bible. He built a boat before it ever rained. Go figure. I'm sure he was called all kinds of crazy names. You better get prepared for trouble that's coming your way. Not just persecution for your faith but in general as the world deteriorates because it is deteriorating at an exponential rate right now so what should you do James 1 says you could you, you could actually do this you could consider it pure joy joy as in rejoice that kind of joy? Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Not because, but in Matthew 5.11, blessed or happy are you when people insult you. Are you? Yes. Persecute you. Yes. Falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. What, you should, what should you do about that? Jesus says you should rejoice and 
Be glad because great is your reward in heaven for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Now, understand, I'm not telling you to put on some sort of uh, false happy face. I'm just, I'm, listen, Christianity, if you have this idea that Christianity is phony, then you're part of the problem when somebody asks you, hey, how you doing? And your, your situation is not good. And you go, oh, it's all good, praise the Lord. That's phony Christianity, and you're part of the problem. Aren't you glad you came today? If it's not good, hey, man, it's not good right now. It's not good right now. I could sure use your prayer. And if the person you're talking to is a real Christian, they'll go, okay, let's pray right now. Not the, not the oh, I'll pray for you, which is Christian code for I don't have time for you right now. And where that really gets tested is when you're in an elevator down at the courthouse and you're in the elevator and they go, hey, Reverend, how are you? I said, oh, oh, fine, I'm fine. Hey, hey would you pray for, my, pray for my mother? She said, okay, let's do that right now. Lord Jesus. And everybody in the elevator freaks out. <laughs> but the man just asked for prayer. I can't say, oh, oh I'll, I'll pray for you. Yeah, I'll pray for you. That's a cop out. Because you know and I know the odds of us praying about that down, down the road is pretty minimal. So, if you don't think you can be real with your faith, then you haven't read the book of Psalms or the book of Lamentations. Man, life really is horrible right now. <laughs> life is not good right now. I really need you, Jesus. I need you, God. I need you to come into my good man. This is, I got my enemies all around me. And they're, that's, real, that's real people, awesome people, the King Davids of the world, lamenting that they got troubles, they got suffering, they got persecution. So I was thinking about a wild horse. You know a wild horse? It's not our culture around here. We don't live in the, in the wild, wild west. But when you think about a wild horse, the, the very first time you put a saddle on him, this is what you get, right? Why is that? He's not prepared for the fact that he's going to have a burden. He's not prepared for the fact that he's going to have suffering. And what I see, unfortunately, is a lot of Christians, whenever suffering and difficulty comes their way, they start bucking and snorting and all kinds of crazy. But if I'm here to tell you that every little, oh, this is, I, I'm going to encourage you with this. So please be encouraged with this. Every suffering, every trial you go through, you don't go back to zero. Every trial and suffering that you, you, that you, that you move through by faith, in grace, every one of those successes simply buys you an admission ticket to a more challenging opportunity. I wish it wasn't that way. But when you press through, ladies and gentlemen, God says, oh, I can trust them. They rejoiced in the middle of all that. Let's put another, let's put a saddlebag on the side this time. And we end up being this, this instrument in God's hands that no matter what comes your way, it's not a fake smile. You can have joy. I read the book to my granddaughter at her house just yesterday about, about Paul being locked in the prison. She goes, Grandpa, yes, chains on his hands. And chains on, I said, I know, Davina, but watch what happens. And we turned the page and they began to sing songs, hymns and spiritual songs in the dead of night at midnight. It all looks cute in a baby's uh, storybook, Bible storybook, but the man had been beaten with a cat of nine tails. His, his flesh was probably laid wide open and there were rats and there was dirt. It wasn't a very hygienic situation. Yet he praised the Lord in it. 
in it. He didn't wait until he got out. Oh, praise the Lord, he got me out of that one. No, no, he praised him in the middle of it. You're going through something, you need to praise the Lord in the middle of it. Well, if he gets me, if he gets you nothing else, he gave you his blood, he gave you his son, that is enough. You rejoice in everything. Rejoice in the Lord always and again, in case you didn't catch it. Trials, difficulties, sufferings, and tribulations. That's the definition we're working with. But what does it look like for you and me? I'll tell you what it looks like. It looks like when you get sick. It looks like when you get sick, when you have a disease, when you have financial problems, when you have family issues, when you have addictions, when you have marital issues. What am I talking about? I'm talking about trials, difficulties, suffering. I'm not talking about Paul being bit by a snake. I'm not talking about somebody being filleted alive. I'm talking about somebody being crucified. I'm talking about your life where we are every day, the trials that we have. Oh my gosh, I'm overdrawn. Oh my gosh, my kid is sick. Oh my gosh, I need new tires and I don't have the money. Oh my, 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 my. Trials, difficulties, just everyday stuff, not let alone the trials and persecutions you have for standing up for your faith in your workplace. Nah, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to lie on that report. I will not lie on that report. I've said that in my secular job before I became a minister. Walked right in the, the, the boss's office. Said, I can't do that. I cannot lie for you. He looked at me like, what? Everybody lies for me. No, not this guy. This is not going to happen. I didn't get fired. He said, oh, oh, okay, we can work with that. You're dismissed, and I walked away. I'm just not going to do it. And then everybody in my office got saved, but that's another story. <laughs> Job problems, persecutions. Every promise in the book is mine. Every chapter, every verse, every line. Here's a promise for you, John 16, 33. I want to claim that promise, brother. Yeah, claim that promise. I'm not disrespecting faith preachers. I'm just merely making a point. You want the promises, there's one right there for you. Here's a promise. You're going to have trouble. You're going to have trouble. That's a promise. You don't like the promise. I don't like the promise. Son, when I get home, I promise you. Right? That's a promise. Dad keeps his promise. In this world, you will have what? Say it. You know what that word is there? If you go back to our text in Romans 5, that word trouble is the same word we have in our text in Romans chapter 5, verse 3. Not only so, but we rejoice in our sufferings. Same Greek word. We rejoice in our sufferings. We rejoice in our trials. We rejoice in is, I'm not, listen, I would be the first to tell you, it's not easy. But just as in any muscle memory, from swinging a bat to swinging a golf club, the more you do it, the easier it becomes. Not some sort of masochistic, you know, yes, Lord, hit me again, please, type of stuff. That's because, I'm talking in, when it comes, well, is it a test or is it a trial? Is it from the devil or is it from God? Isn't this what we deal with? Oh my, oh my this is a terrible, terrible. Listen, if every time you had difficult, if the apostles, every time they ran into difficulty, they would have never left Jerusalem. 
There are things you've got to press through. Not just fall, oh, well, I guess, you know, I got a flat tire on the way to church. I guess God, God doesn't want me to go to church today. What the heck? What the heck? Come on. Oh, you know, I was going to go do this, but then that fell through and I couldn't get it done. and It just didn't work. Hey, where's your backbone? Get rid of the wishbone, get a backbone, and say, you know what, I hurt. This here's the problem. If it doesn't start with the reality that I know that I know God told me, then you will fold in the process. This is why you must be persuaded beyond anything that you know that God has told you, go by that Angela Hall or whatever. Because there's going to be trouble. There's going to be difficulties. There have been, I've been. We've been trying to get it for two and a half years. I could have folded years ago. No, walk over there. Walk around it seven times. I marched around the entire campus seven times. As I'm marching around, I'm thinking about uh, the, 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 the prophet who gave the king the arrows, and he said, strike the ground. And then the prophet just kind of like struck the ground, like, or the king kind of struck the ground like some pansy. And, and he goes, no, you could have won the war if you would have struck with vigor. So I walked seven times around, and every time I, I walk around, I pick up a stick that looks like an arrow. And when I got done with all seven of them, seven, I got seven sticks in my hand. There, there, there were prophetically arrows in my hand. I get down on my knees, and I strike the ground so hard. Saying, God, you promised this would be our next place. So I'm not giving up. I'm going to rejoice. I'm going to pray. I'm going to get on my knees. I'm going to praise you in the midst of can't happen, never going to happen, not on your watch. So what is it that you're going through? Be persuaded. Be persuaded with, not your determination, but that God had told you that. Because when you know that you know that you know that God told you, ain't nobody going to turn you around. Nobody going to turn you around. No one should turn you around. So why, why, why do we rejoice? Well, keep reading the rest of the verse. Because we know this, that suffering produces, say it, perseverance. Mm, that's an interesting word. And then perseverance, it actually develops something you called character. And that character then brings hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he's given us. Perseverance, if you look it up in the original here, means consistency. I'm going to be consistent. This is what I do. Just like Daniel went to the window and prayed every day, even when he was told he shouldn't. Character, that's the trustedness. Hope, a pure, a pure confidence. So Psalm 34, I will extol the Lord at all times. What is that? Consistency. In the good times, in the bad times, when it's going great, hallelujah, praise the Lord. Listen, if you only live, help me here, if you only live for mountaintop experiences in your relationship with God, you may have one or two a year, and therefore you have success, you have, you have uh, um, victory a couple times a year. But if you're, if you're, but if victory, get a new definition, if victory is consistent living for Jesus, then you can have victory every day. Now you can have celebration every day. That when the hiccup comes, when the bump in the road comes, when, when the kids go crazy, when the spouse goes sideways, when the, 
Government goes off the rails, whatever. You know, okay, I'm gonna praise the Lord today because this is what I do. It's what I do. I'm going to be consistent in this. Amen. That perseverance develops character, which is consistency. And I will pray, his praise, Psalm 34, one, his praise will always be on my lips, the trustedness, my soul will boast in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and do what? Let the afflicted, you're afflicted. Hear that and then do what? rejoice, glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. That's the faith. All right, so I have no one to blame for being over today except myself. So let's, let's, let's rock it through the next couple of verses. Verse number six, seven, and eight. You see, see, at just the right time when we were still powerless, what happened? Christ died for who? Wait, 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 wait a second. I thought he only died for good people, people that had all their stuff together, right? I thought only God did that for good people. No, he did it for you, the dregs of society. You know what a dreg is? Uh, I think it comes from, this is really off the top of my head. I think it's like when you brew a beer and it's all the slime in the bottom of the barrel. So you, you would take the beer off the top because that's where the good beer is, but down the bottom is where all the sediment is. They call those dregs. The dregs, the, the slimy. That's who God died for. Not the high crust, blue bloods. He said, I'm going to die for the dregs of society. You were ungodly. So, see, now watch this, verse 7. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man sometimes might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrated his love. You know this from the Roman road, right? But God has demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners. Okay. Okay. Let's, let's hoist a sail. Let's set a tack for something you've probably never seen before where the scripture is concerned. He demonstrated his love for us that in this while, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were sinners, You have trouble, you have tribulation, you have persecutions, all those things we've been talking about up to this point. You look at those circumstances in your life and if the truth be known, can I say the majority of those problems you brought on yourself? I'm going to be conservative 50% of the time. The other 50% of the time, somebody else was being stupid. I mean... That guy had too many drinks, got on the road, and ran into your car. You had nothing to do with that. That was sin. In, in a, it all comes down to sin. It all goes, boils down to that, right? Boils down to crazy. So there was this guy. He, he, he got involved in sin, and his sin splashed over into my life, even though I was doing nothing wrong, right? That's what happens to us. Yes, right? And the other, the other half of the time, you stepped in it. You did it. I mean, you can try to scrape it off your foot, but it still smells, right? So what we, what we learn now when we come to this verse is that you beat yourself up because of the suffering you're going through and somehow you think that this suffering is payment for you doing something bad and as you suffer through it, God is therefore going to relent and lift this suffering off of your life. That's very Catholic. It's very Catholic because you're gonna have to have penance. You have to do something and in your case, suffer 
rightfully so, you stepped in it. It didn't pour over onto your life. You did it to you. Therefore, you deserve to suffer is the little tape recorder that's playing over and over and over in your head. And I'm here today to tell you, because of this verse, that's a lie. While you were still a sinner, a foul up, a screw up, doing all this stuff, and you caused the problem yourself, you did it. You unadulterated, absolutely, no shade of gray, walked right into that, full-fledged, full boom, you knew where you, and you did it. And now because you're suffering, you think, well, that's just God repaying me. Hey, 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 that's just God repaying me. It's a lie. Christ died for you while you were doing your stupidness. But God demonstrated his own love for us in this while we were still causing our own suffering. He died for you while you were doing it to yourself. All the while saying, come on, come on. Get out of that mess. And what I think, one thing I like about God is that when he, said, when he says, get out of that mess, because every other religion goes like this. Hey, get out of the mess. Jesus came down to help you get out of your mess. See, that's the difference. He came down. He came down to help you out of the mess. It's like, it's like someone standing at the top of a flight of stairs saying, get up here, get up here. And you have no ability to get up there. Jesus walked down the flight of stairs, put your sins on his back, put you on his back, and carried you up the stairs. That's why you can rejoice in your suffering even when you caused your own suffering. Because you don't want to rejoice in the grace that God gives you if somehow you think you're doing penance and I, I'm just going to suffer through because I did this to myself, you know. I went out on my wife. I cheated on my taxes. I got stupid and I did those drugs or whatever. And so this is just a lot. No, you're free from that. God's wrath God, listen, the word, here it is, the word propitiation is a big $3 theological word. Basically, it means that God took your sin upon him. We don't like this phrase today because it's associated with suffering. Jesus suffered for you. It's not a popular snowflake word. Propitiation, the word propitiation carries the basic idea of appeasement of sanctification, specifically toward God. Propitiation is a two-part act that involves appeasing the wrath of God because he was offended by you and being reconciled to him. Now, he removes his wrath from you. God poured, I'm trying to get to the heart of suffering again, right? This is why you can rejoice in it. Oh, I didn't answer the question earlier about who causes it. That's an important thing to, we'll backtrack here for a second. So is this suffering, is this a test? Is, or is it a trial? Did it come from God? Is, is the enemy tempting me here? Is I'm just supposed to give up be, or not give up? Who did this come? Listen, its origin should be of no concern of yours. Well, what do you mean? This is what I mean. 
if, when suffering, where whichever direction it comes from, 180 degrees this way or 180 degrees that way, yes, I might be interested to know, and yes, I could possibly learn and get, gain, gain some spiritual insights, should I divine the, the understanding of why it is that I'm suffering, but should I know that even that I, what I'm doing is, I'm totally convinced that God told me to do it, that does not eliminate the possibility of suffering. Well, you know, if I did exactly what God told me to do, I'd never suffer. Tell that to Paul who had his head cut off and Peter crucified upside down. Come on, get a grip on your theology here, people. So what should I do? How about this? Rejoice in the Lord in the middle of that suffering. If it's from God, God goes, well done. Well done. Congratulations, my child. You are awesome. Right? If it's from the enemy and it's the suffering is coming from the enemy and you rejoice in the Lord, the devil goes, they're praising the Lord even when I jab him in the ribs. That's so, I'm gonna, and gives up on bothering you because he knows that no matter what it's caused, you're gonna praise the Lord in the middle of it. Can I have a hallelujah? Praise the Lord. Well, pastor, I I just thought praise and worship went too long today. I'm here for the preaching of the word. Some of those religious folk just need to learn how to praise the Lord. Just to just get right in it. Well, it just, it sounds, you know, particularly us guys, you know, I like rock and roll. I like warrior songs. I like a beat and easy to dance to little American bandstand action there. I got to have that, right? Um, but there are songs like today and for Kim, um, a song like Simply Said, this song that just, I love you. This song says, I love you. I love you. There was a song, the middle of the Pensacola Revival, Brownsville, year 2000 probably. I'm down in Florida. I'm at this revival and I'm a Pharisee. I'm not, I'm born again, but I'm a Pharisee. And I go to this, and, I'm, and I'm, I get, and at this, at this, at this revival service, I get born again, again. I can't tell you what exactly that means. It doesn't really fit in anything, but it is the reality of what happened. So I'm singing this song. Lindo Cooley is leading this song, and it's a vineyard song from back in the day. And I forget, David Ruiz wrote the song, I believe, and it talks about. Um, uh, before we had our song in the last couple of years about uh, the sloppy kiss song. What's that sloppy kiss song? Yeah, blah, 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 blah. Uh, let me tell you about the granddad of the Sloppy Kiss song. This was a song called True Love. And then I want to know the kisses of your mouth. That, that, this is the words of the song. And what am I? I'm a highly trained Pharisee, trained by Dr. Nichols. <laughs> we were both extremely good Pharisees. So I'm, I'm standing there, and I, 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 I want all Jesus got, you know? And so I'm singing this song. I'm look, singing Christian karaoke. I'm looking at the, the words on the screen. I'm, and I don't know the song, but I'm going to sing the song because that's what we do. And, and let me know the kisses of your mouth. I went, literally, I went, what? What? Let me know the kisses of your mouth. Let me s- smell your embrace. And it was just very Song of Solomon type of song. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I can't do this. The Lord arrested me. He says, why can't you love me that intimately? I broke, broke. Yeah, grown man who likes to blow stuff up. 
guy stuff. You know what I'm talking about? Guy stuff. Now, this makes some men very uncomfortable because we're, not rarely, we're rarely in touch with our emotions as well as we should be. I'm not talking about being sissified or being a wimp. I'm talking about being able to love God with intimacy to where I got on my face and the river of God washed over me and I was born again again that day, that night. And I got up with, with a, a different sense of who I was in Christ. I'm his son. I'm not trying to please him. He's not punishing me because I screwed up. He loves me. And all of his wrath was poured out on Jesus, propitiation. You thought I wasn't going to come back to that, but I did. (laughs) All of his wrath, all of God's wrath was poured out. Listen to what I said. All of it was poured out. Does that mean there's any left for you? No, not when you come into Jesus. Well, hell is the absence of Jesus. We say that as a Christian colloquialism, but actually I, 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 I'm coming to the reality that hell is less the absence of Jesus and more the absolute manifest presence of the wrath of God there. It's not the absence of God. It is the very presence of the wrath of God. That's what hell is, which makes me love him all the more. Okay, our last verse. Let's end on a positive note. Praise the Lord. Verse number 11, we'll we'll, we'll wrap it up here. Not only is this so, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Boy, that was really quite tidy. I'm going to give you two other versions for you to, to ponder on. The first is from the Living Bible, the second from the message of the same verse. Listen to the Living Bible. Do we have these for the screen? Wonderful. Living Bible, now we rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God, all because of what our Lord Jesus Christ has done in dying for our sins, making us friends with God. I like that, but here's the one that rings the bell for me. Another translation Uh, paraphrase the the message, Romans 5.11. Now that we have actually received this amazing friendship with God, we are no longer content to simply say it in plotting pose, which is going through the motions of praise and worship, just like you did in your mainline denomination church. Did we say the Lord's Prayer, didn't we? Did we say the Apostles' Creed, or didn't we? What hymn is this? I don't really know, because it's just plotting through the pose. Now that we have actually received this amazing friendship with God, we are no longer content in simply saying it and plotting pose. We sing and we shout our praises to God through Jesus the Messiah. Wow. Now I have nine more points to preach. I'm serious. In how to rejoice in suffering. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to rocket through these so they're on the recording so you can, you can look them up in, um, in the podcast. We have them in a list, don't we, Brandy? Yeah, okay, here we are. So uh, uh, there will be suffering and tribulation. Here's our response. Rejoice that he brings comfort, 2 Corinthians 1, 
three and four. Rejoice that God has a good plan. What I'm trying to tell you is this. You're in suffering. You're in trial. You're in turmoil. Pastor says we should rejoice. I don't even know what that looks like. I'm telling you what it looks like to rejoice that God has a plan. I don't have to have that plan. God, I know you got a plan, Lord. Bring that plan to pass. That's how you rejoice in the midst of that. Number three, rejoice that your heart can be at peace. God, in the middle of this trial, God, in the middle of this suffering, I know that I have perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. I'm not giving you all the references. You need to write them down or take a picture. Number four, rejoice that his presence is with you. That'd be a great way to rejoice in the middle of suffering. I know that you're always with me, God. I may not feel you, but my faith declares you are here, moving in our midst. Number five, rejoice that he will deliver you. That's his promise. Number six, rejoice that his love never fails. You have never failed me, Lord, and I know you'll never fail me now. Number seven, rejoice that God is all-powerful. If he wasn't all-powerful, you don't stand a chance. But what's great is not only is he omnipotent, but he's also omniscient, because if you have all power and you're, all, you're not all-knowing, you're a troublemaker. But God knows everything about you, beginning to end. Number eight, rejoice that he is the provider. He is Jehovah Jireh. And rejoice that he is more than enough. Then I was going to preach the entire story of Elijah and the widow of Zarephath, right? Where she had nothing. But she, he said, Bring me the, make me a cake and your flour and your oil will not run dry. I mean, she was in trouble. I mean, her, I mean, this is a bad, bad situation. You know how long, I don't know if you've done the, 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 the backstory here, but the amount of time that her oil and her flour did not run dry was not three days, not three weeks, not three months, but three years, because it says during the entire drought, and Elijah is the one who prophesied the drought, and the drought was three years. That was right after he took it on the prophets of Baal. She had oil and flour for three years. Every time she went to the cupboard, poof, there it was. So here's your tweet for the day. Joy is found not in the absence of suffering, but in the presence of God. You want joy? Joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Well, if it's only when things are going great 50% of the time, I can have joy all the time. Joy is found not in the absence of suffering. You can have joy in the middle of suffering. It's antithetical, but it's the truth. It's a paradox, but it's reality in a faith-filled life in Jesus. So no matter what you're going through, rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the suffering. I mean, wear black, be sad, cry, have genuine emotion, be real. Man, life really sucks right now, but... I'm going to rejoice in the Lord today anyway. Praise the Lord. You are all powerful. You are all knowing. You brought me here. You have not left me. You have a plan for my life. You are Jehovah Jireh. I will always worship and praise you. That makes the devil angry and Jesus smile. Stand up with me today, please. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Amen. That's, you know what they call that? The good news. They call that the gospel. That's the real gospel, ladies and gentlemen, right? And so if, you're, if you've been like sold something that's like cotton candy, right? Just do a quick evaluation 
and say, you know what? No matter what comes my way, great is thy faithfulness. It is well with my soul. And then you can have joy. When the bank calls, when the doctor calls, when the lawyer calls, when the kids call, whatever, it all happens. Why are you surprised, he said. Why are you surprised? It's coming. And if it isn't here now, it's coming around the bend. And I tell you to forewarn you, don't fall for the enemy's tactic. Oh, God gave up on me. God doesn't like me. God's punished me. Lie, 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 lie. God does love you. His wrath is poured out. You're his child. Why didn't I cause it myself? Yeah, most of us do cause it ourselves. But he still loves you. He still kiss your boo-boo. Your kid is stupid, playing around with a mousetrap, snapped their finger in their own fault. They did it. You still kiss their finger. Well, maybe after they wash it, the mousetrap's dirty. But you still kiss their boo-boo, right? Right? They cause it themselves. You still love them. You wrap your arms around them, and you dry their tears. It's going to be all right. Amen? Gosh, I'm having a great time today. I don't want Hannah to come. Oh, Hannah. Hi, baby. Hannah just came out the door again. <laughs> Praise the Lord. All right, let's pray. Father, thank you for a beautiful day. Thank you for awesome worship. Thank you for a good, strong, practical, relevant word. A timely word for our country, our nation, and our own lives, our homes, our families. Let us not shrink back when we hear the volley of spiritual warfare over our homes and families. For we are persuaded, we are persuaded that neither death or life or anything could ever separate us from your love. Thank you, Father, for Jesus. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. And if you're away from God today, now is the moment. Just raise your hand to heaven and say, Jesus, I'm, I'm, I'm coming back. I'm here. I, I, I need you to, I, I cause a lot of this myself, Lord, but you are the way, you are the truth, and you are the life. My heart is in your hands. Help me with all of my grossness, with all my crazy, with all my weirdness. Thank you for loving me. That's the beginning of a love relationship. Now love him. Go and serve him. Honor him with your life. For God be the glory. Great things he has done. And now may the spirit of God be upon your life today, the rest of this week, to guard your heart, guard your mind, guard your home and your family from the wiles of the enemy. And may, Lord, we keep our eyes fixed, focused on the cross and the price you paid that we might be forgiven. And we'll thank you for it, Lord, every day and praise you in our suffering. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. As we conclude this podcast, we want to take a moment to say thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this message, please consider subscribing to receive our weekly podcast on your device. Check out the show notes for links to our website, more information about this message, or to support our ministry. You've been listening to the Destiny Church 217 Podcast, your place for real, relevant relationships.